Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Max Headroom Podcast, with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering Episode 1, Blipverse. My friends, it is time once again for the 80s. Mm-hmm. And once again, uh, between you and I both, 100% on this one. Yeah, uh, this is good. To, this was shocking. Like, just like you did with uh, um, uh, Alienation. Mm-hmm. We managed to find the two good science fiction shows on television, on US television in the 1980s. Yeah, I was going to say, some decent sci fi coming out of the 80s, apparently. Uh, I would not. I would not extend that much further. And before you write in and say, but what about Misfits of Science? Hey, shut up. Or The Powers of Matthew Starr or Manimal. Yeah, I watched all those shows, and when I was little, they were terrible. They're, they're probably very terrible now. I was very interested to see how long you could go. Uh, I'm sure I could name more. V was pretty good at the beginning and then got bad. Mm. Voyagers we actually watched. Yeah, Voyagers was not good. V was on my, was on my short list of 80s shows for a while. If you want to watch the good one of those, though, you have to watch the miniseries. Like that the was first the thing, bit, yeah, and that's too long. Like, yeah, when it turned into a series, it got real watered down and not great, as mm. I recall. So, you, like, we could watch a good thing, but we'd have to watch the bad part of it to fit our criteria. Yeah, that's less. That's less fun. Yeah, of course. There's the greatest American hero. There's mm. like the, I, I watched. I watched every one of these shows at least briefly. There's mm. Knight Rider. Like, yeah, this is definitely this is, Knight Rider. This is prime when I was growing up, period, like uh, early to mid 80s. Like I'm, I, I could name most of the sci-fi shows, even the ones that went for 10 minutes, because just, you know, I was interested. Night Rider. Uh, we could watch the 80s Twilight Zone, but that feels like cheating. It, it feels like if we're going to do that, we either need to cover all Twilight Zones. or Yeah, then we need to go one. back to the 60s yeah. and then to the 2002 one. Yeah. The I movie. I guess the movie was part of the 80s, technically. Yeah, it was. And the movie was four segments from the 60s show redone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that would necessarily count. But no, the 80s one was very good. Yeah. I think I mentioned that when we did Night Gallery because like. Because <laughs> you were like, this is bad. <laughs> Night Gallery is not as good as this. No, it was it was the argument I used to myself that like, well, maybe this will be good because mm-hmm. like, you know, and he was gone when they did the 80s Twilight Zone, but they still kept it very respectful to his his stuff they honored his vision i didn't want to say that but uh, <laughs> yes yes they did but but no um so here's the weird thing about max head well there are many thing weird things about max headroom <laughs> one of the many th- weird things about max headroom so what we watched was the pilot for the american series uh originally this was a i believe a tv movie or a short film or something like that in uh the uk uh they used, I think, just about the same script. I think they Americaned up, like, watered down some shit uh, and recast a bunch of people. But Max Hedrum was, uh, uh, slash the lead character was always the same guy. Mm-hmm. And I think his, like, his oracle type was always the same guy. Sure. Uh, everyone else got recast. Mm. Uh, it was one of those situations in the 80s where if you heard about this good show that was on and you went to, like, rent it at the video store you may find one or the other of these. And if you watch the British one, you'd be very confused because the story was slightly different and it had different people in it. Ah, Twin Peaks syndrome. Yes, it is exactly that. Because they marketed the pilot as a movie and then they retooled it as a pilot. Mm -hmm. So what we watched, uh, just to be clear, we made this clear last week, but just so you guys know, 
is the the first episode of the American series called Blipverts. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, why don't you tell us what happened there? All right, so 20 minutes into the future, the Tuesday, I think, and Network 23 is on the air. Edison Carter, ace reporter and great name-haver, speeds towards some giant apartment building to investigate the mysterious death of some dude and the mysterious hushing up of his wife by Channel 23's private police force. It seems weird to you that Network 23 is apparently investigating its own corporate crimes. The show agrees with you, which is why Edison quickly finds his story canceled. Also, his controller, by which I mean his guy in the chair, tries to get him killed. Luckily, Edison's boss, Jeffrey Tambor, replaces him with Theora, a British hacker lady whom Edison creeps upon. Meanwhile, over at Network 23, evil President Grossberg gloats about how effectively he's covered up his crime. Blipferts! Advertisements that beam directly into the nervous system. This new creation will revolutionize advertising, and only a minor amount of the population experience full-body explosion. There is, to my surprise, some minor arguments from an old man on Network 23's board about how human life is precious and blah, blah, blah. But luckily, everyone else is pretty down for sacrificing our lazier viewers. Back at Network 23, I guess, Edison and Theora attempt another raid to find out why Edison is being censored. Everything's going great until Edison is almost murdered by Network 23's tween scientist, Bryce. Grossberg needs to know what what Edison knows, so he has Grossberg download Edison onto Network 23's computers. If the internet existed, it would be that. Grossberg has Edison shipped to a body farm, literally a building, to house corpses for resale. Well, Bryce probes Edison's memories and accidentally creates Max Headroom, a weird combination of Edison's personality and a lot of Jim Carrey shtick. Grossberg, for some reason, thinks using Max as a, as a digital newscaster is a great idea, so he's really mad when Max starts going all, Joel Robinson killed me, in front of the board. Meanwhile, Fiora finds Edison at the body farm and brings him back to consciousness. Edison breaks back into Network 23, or possibly just goes upstairs, and meets up with Bryce and Max. He's vaguely interested in Max, and surprisingly forgiving of Bryce for having definitely tried to kill him yesterday. And then they head over to Grossberg's I'm Really Sad That Edison Carter Is Dead press conference, and arrive just in time to do the whole object thing. Because press conferences are basically weddings, right? Then they play some footage of some dude exploding due to blipverts from Max's memory, and Edison goes home a hero. And I believe Max is eventually complicit in the sale of new coke, so shame on him. (laughs) Okay, first of all, yes, Edison Carter, maybe the best name for a protagonist ever? It's very good. I don't know what it is. I've thought about it for a while, and there's just some, like, that combination of syllables Mm -hmm. is just very, very appealing. Yep. Very good. Uh, Also, really, Joel Robinson killed me? Yeah. that's an, clearly an MST reference to something else. Uh-huh. No one's going to get that, man. I fucking, if I cared about that at this point in my career, like. I guess that's true. The answer to that is the right people. Uh-huh. It, though. Uh, and also, sorry, I got a, I got a call foul on you saying Jim Carrey shtick. This predates Jim Carrey. Oh, it absolutely does, but it also reminded me of it a lot. Uh, it didn't me because he didn't annoy me. <laughs> I kind of liked him. He's very good. I was shocked. I know Matt Frewer from a bunch of stuff, but uh, damn. He damn. was surprisingly hot back in the day. Oh, yeah. No, he was very attractive, and, and there's a bit of, like, he's got the, the righteous crusading reporter thing, mm-hmm. and he's a bit action-y in some scenes. Like, he, he does some actual fighting. And, oh, if like, you want to see he, a guy hit another guy with a camera, Max, uh, Max Headroom is the show for you. It's But it's weird because you don't think of this sort of lanky, like, guy... Being a like being able to pull off the action thing, but he mm-hmm. absolutely does. Yeah, 
Like not, you know, not like a big, like muscly Stallone guy, but he, you know, he definitely he can take care of beats himself. up some corporate police at some point. Yeah. And, and like I dug that and, mm-hmm. and yeah, good looking dude too. Yeah. Like uh, no question there. No, he shows up. I'm just like, oh, oh my. <laughs> yep. I like his voice too. Yeah, definitely. That's and, the thing uh, that he's had going for him. Like he shows up all the time. Like. See, that's weird, because one of my notes was, how come this guy wasn't a bigger star? Because I, apart from that one next gen, which is my tenuous connection to Star Trek, mm-hmm. I don't remember him from much. Like, he's been he's been in everything, but, like, he's like this was, I well, think, like his what? only main, like, main character thing. Like, he's always, like, background guys. Well, like, what's he been in? I seriously, like, he was the voice of one of the Pink Panther cartoon reboots. That's oh, seriously God. the only other thing I could make. Oh, my God, make. that was him. Yeah, it was. Wow, he okay. Covered, he, that's my voice thing. Like, mm. I, I saw that for five minutes. I was like, oh, well, that's Matt Frewer. Uh-huh. What's, what's he doing this for? The last thing I remember seeing him in was he's in Watchmen. He plays Moloch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? So he does. Yeah. Okay. The weird underdeveloped character for the movie. I Well, whatever. And weirdly enough, I know him most of all as the other dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No, that's not that weird. You're the right age for that. Yeah. That was a big kids movie when you were a kid. Sure. But I mean, like, mostly it's just like I, 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 I have seen him pop up in TV shows as just like, huh. you know, the guest villain or the third guy or whatever. Well, good. That's that's good. Like he sh- he should have gotten mm-hmm. work because he's great. Like I like I think I think that, um you know, he, he definitely had lead potential and like he probably should have gotten more series out of it. I think he probably got typecast as Max Headroom. Maybe. I don't know. Because, I mean, he plays two different characters in this. Yeah. Like he gets to play like the the tough crusading uh, hero reporter, but then also the the goofy computer generated mm. guy, and you know which is nice. But the thing is, like, of like, of, even though like Max isn't a huge part of this this pilot, but like especially for being the the title of the show, but like he's definitely the most memorable thing about it. And no, and and the weird thing to me, this is this ties into my good thing, is when I watched it as a kid, because this I was like twelve when this came out. Sure, and. I knew Max Hedrum from like the commercials and he may have had his dumb talk show at that point. That's the other thing. It's so weird to me that like, yeah, the care, I'm pretty sure the character came first. These guys sort of conceived this character and then they retrofitted this like cyberpunk show around him. Yeah. So it's very strange. The The cool thing is most, if not, I, I don't, I, I didn't look into this enough, but I know for a fact most of what you would imagine to be CG in this is not. No, it's uh like makeup and like stuff. Like hand and animated. It, there's, and it looks there's some good. Stuff that, there's some stuff that looks almost exactly like the uh, book entries from the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide TV movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's my good thing. I, I really oh, like all okay. that stuff. Yeah, no, it, it looks fantastic. There's a bunch of stuff when like Theora's hacking into the, into the, the, um, uh, Network 23, and mm-hmm. it's all, like, weird, like, sort of computery, bl- like... Uh... Yeah, it's a lot of vector lines. There you go. Ve- that's what I was looking for. Vector lines on black, and it looks really cool. Yeah, and in the 80s, that's what we thought computers looked like mm-hmm. and would always look like. Yeah. And there was there was nothing else like this. There really wasn't. Like, not even tons of, like, um, movies were doing this kind oh, of yeah. thing. And... It, I'm not saying it's it's revolutionary or groundbreaking. It was just it was one of the first ones mm. in the mainstream. Like cyberpunk books were a thing. Well, cyberpunk is bre- like cyberpunk's only been around since like the 80s. Like yeah, that's the thing. I, just, I would this imagine would have been right around when like like Neuromancer, Neuromancer was coming yeah. out. 
that's what I'm saying. I feel like it wasn't too long after that. Yeah. But but it's very clearly cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Like, and a lot of it feels like cliches of the 90s. But this is 1987. Yeah. Like, none of that's happened yet. Yeah. And like it has that sort of dark satire feel to it, like RoboCop. It, this also predates it, RoboCop, by the way. It really reminded me of RoboCop. Well, like, this came first. This could easily have been set in the same universe. Yeah. Yeah, because everything's like, and there's some things that it takes a little seriously, but mm-hmm. there's also some things where they very clearly don't. Yeah. Like, what I like is some of the, like, some of the dumb bullshit, like, uh, oh God, I wrote this down. The company is like the Zigzag Corporation or yep. something. They're just like, uh, who cares? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not call it, you know, unity or like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Blipverts, the zigzag court, like see, and stuff they, like they that, know it's stupid. Stuff like that reminds me of all of like, like all of that is very like 2000 AD to me, like that British, yeah, sci-fi stuff. Like you can really see that and kind of this, thing left over from like the original, the original pilot. And yeah, this definitely all started from that, and mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure there was a lot of that. But but this aesthetic, <laughs> that is a fun word to say uh-huh. when you're talking fast, as I do. Uh, this, the whole look of it, the whole feel of it, the the satirical thing, the the, uh, and then balancing that the sort of bleak hopelessness with with Max Headroom himself. Oh yeah, and it was smart and funny. Like it, I really enjoyed it, and it didn't feel like anything else on TV back then. It doesn't really feel like much that's that's been on since. A few no things, but yeah, it's so unique. Yeah, no, I really I really enjoyed it. It's kind of it's kind of sad that this has been like forgotten for the most part. Other uh, than as that guy who sold coke, I think that's just a, an age thing. Like I think guys your age think that. Mm-hmm. I think guys my age remember. Like I, uh, I mentioned to Tidro that this is what I was picking for this week, and she's like, "Well, uh, we're coming up on letting the guests choose some." And she's like, uh, "That was on my very short list of things to pick." Oh like, wow, okay. And she and I are exactly the same age. Yeah, like, sure. It would have been on her list as well. Like uh, most people our age, I think, in my age group, like mm-hmm. in their forties now. I think have a, a, at least a vague memory. Yeah, no, for from <clears throat> excuse me for me, and I talked to I talked to Mal about this last night. It's like this has mm-hmm. been pretty much forgotten, except for like, uh, wasn't he like sort of like the digital version of Mac Tonight or something? It's possible they put him in more commercials than just Coke. I do know that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's so weird the way this all came together. And like I say, he had a talk show, and the talk show was like Space Ghost. That's baffling to me. Yeah. But I mean, you know. But I mean, whatever. also Alf had a talk show, so I mean, like you know, anything's possible. Yeah, but that was long after the sitcom had been canceled, and they still had the puppet and the guy, and they're like, "What else can we do?" This this all happened sort of concurrently or very close together. I like the idea that they that they made the uh, the the talk show because they still had the puppet. I mean, you got it's it's a major asset. Mm-hmm. It's a you know it is. It probably costs thousands of dollars to make. It's you, like you should we throw it, man. should we throw this out? Nah, give him a talk show. I mean, you could send it to the Smithsonian, but they probably don't want it. We don't want your filthy Alf puppet. Get out of here. <laughs> put it on Archie Bunker's chair and put Fonzie's jacket on it. No. No, I won't do that. <laughs> but no, it's it's just such a such a weirdly unique show. And honestly, you mentioned that Max Hedrum isn't in it a lot, and you're mm-hmm. right. But I was impressed by how quickly he did show up. Because yes. that is the draw. Like. Mm-hmm. His name is on the show. He was the the sort of recognizable face of the brand. Like, I thought it would do that thing that pilots do where he show up in the last 10 seconds, and he was there halfway through. Yeah, exactly. I just, like, just right off the bat, just, like, 
just really interesting character, you know? Yeah. No, and the idea that they made a computer simulated version, like, the way they made it fit into the story was mm. cool. Because, like, they want to take his memory, but they don't want to wake him up. Yeah. So, okay, well, this kid's been working on, like, digitizing animals. Let's let's try a person. And if I can read his brainwaves, then I can find out what he knows mm-hmm. without waking him up. And then it turns into Max. Like, that all that all worked. It didn't feel really contrived, you know? I was I was really interested that, like, that uh, uh, Edison was still alive at the end of the episode. Like, for some reason, I was under the impression that, like, he got just, he died and got downloaded onto the internet, and that's where Max Headroom came from. I mean, that makes sense, because you got, like, you get your lead actor playing two roles otherwise, mm-hmm. but that is, I, I saw other episodes of this, and that is how it worked. He interacted with Max on a regular basis. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I like the I like that idea, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's been done in science fiction since then. But I still like the idea. Oh sure. So, tune in for the next episode of Endeavor, where uh, Kutch is turned into a uh, computer generated face on a screen. <laughs> no, I I and it's one of those things that just kind of throws a bunch of big ideas at you, and it doesn't feel confusing. It just feels like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah. weird, but I get it. No, they do a great job of introducing it. It's just like, now this, now this, now this. And it's all bi- it's all big ideas, but, like, it's mm-hmm. nothing you can't wrap your head around. Yeah, but think think about what an accomplishment that is in an hour mm-hmm. to throw all that shit at a mainstream audience and have them follow it and understand it and accept it as, like, this is the reality of the show. Like, yeah. There's, there's a lot there, you know? Like, TV sci-fi around this period looked like the first season of Next Gen. Yeah. This is not like that. No, I, I just really yeah. enjoyed all of this. Yeah, me too. Like I said, I might go back and watch the rest of it. Yeah. I don't know that I saw the whole thing all the way through. I don't know if the rest of it is as good. I do know the British one's supposed to be better. I almost watched that, and I was like, you know what? That's going to ruin the goodwill that this earned by watching almost the same thing but slightly better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know when the guy's head gets scannered, you see the whole thing. Oh, that's good. That that disappointed me. You get you get like a brief flash of it in this. I mean, I know you can't show that kind of thing on on television, but also like if you're <clears throat> wow, excuse me, if you're gonna explode a guy, I want to see it. Yeah, if you're gonna talk about a guy exploding, don't like just have people watching a screen and going ugh. And, and an explosion sound. Yeah, like, like you need a little. They did. There were like there's like three frames of it. Mm-hmm. Like you can see it for a split second. No, it's definitely but, one of those things where they showed as much as they could with like the sensors yeah. were probably like, okay, you can cut half a second from this. Yep. And you know they probably went as far with it as they could go. And, um, uh, the British version had the full explosion. In fact, I was talking to an old friend of mine, and he's like, "You're doing the British one, right?" It was like, "No, I went back and forth, and I think we should do because we're reviewing." TV shows mm-hmm. and technically that's not a TV. I know it was an arbitrary decision, sure. but this is what I decided probably because this is the one I saw as a kid. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. That's probably why, but he's like, okay, at least watch this. And there's a YouTube clip of just the explosion. Like it says like the best part of the British Max Headroom that got left out of the U S version. Mm-hmm. And it's like 10 seconds of explosion and that's it. <laughs> Very good. So it is on YouTube if you want to see that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I was reading about, I didn't do a ton of research, but I read a little about this. Uh, apparently, Bryce, the kid, was much more uh, evil. Yeah, I got that vibe. Like here, he's our, no, no, no. I mean, in the original version, he was way more evil. No, it felt like it, like it felt like something was cut there because they do this weird. Like he is actively trying to kill Edison in the first half of the show. Like he's going yeah. to crush him in an elevator. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole thing where him and uh, uh, Theo uh, Theo are fighting over like trying basically trying to kill Max. Yep. And then by the end of the show, he's like, "Sorry, I tried to kill you." And Edison's like, "That's fine." I I, I don't. It didn't feel inconsistent to me. It felt like um, his like he just wants to do mad science and mm. he does what he's told. And if his corporate overseers tell him to do something evil, he's like, well, oh, well, that's yeah. what science is. It's not my problem. If I made the gun, you have to shoot it. You know, I don't know. They, I think cut, even, they cut to that uh, kid a lot. Seeming to be having a really good time trying to murder this guy. Yeah. But then he met the guy and he's like, you know what? You're not so bad. That's kind of, that's kind of the vibe I got. All right. I mean, look, look at him. <laughs> if, if young Matt Frewer showed up and you're like, you know, evil science dungeon, you'd be like, you know what? I don't want to kill him. I want to kiss him. Mm-hmm. Unless he had that fucking gash on his forehead. That made well, me very upset. <laughs> well, the last you know, chunk got... of the episode is just him running around with a massive gash on his giant forehead. And I'm just like, get stitches. I mean, he's got a, he's got an important thing to do, man. Your brain is leaking out. <laughs> ah, he's got a backup brain. He's fine. <laughs> the The whole... The whole look also reminded me a bit of uh, Brazil. Oh, yeah, definitely. There was that sort of cyberpunk or cyberpunk, uh, steampunk adjacent. Mm-hmm. Like the computer keyboards were like old typewriter keyboards. Yes. And there was some like in the nicer places, there was like some brass and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like and then like, of course, everyone out in the world is like a filthy, like like looks like a medieval peasant. Oh, I was delighted to see the appearance of one of my favorite things in, in cyberpunk. Actual punks. Oh, God, yeah. Like hardcore Mad Max guys just driving around in a van, picking up bodies. And the thing is, I rolled my eyes when they showed up like, ugh, now they're going to be like the stupid mullety rebel types. But they were also like, the show does a lot of, oh, this is a dumb cliche, but oh, wait, they did it well. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those times. And the lead punk was played by, I I know him as the the chief on Angie Tribeca. I'm sure he's been in a a million other things. But uh, He's got a very he's got very distinctive eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Like when you see that, it's like, oh, I've definitely seen that face. That is that is very unique. Mm-hmm. No, I love tiny baby here. Yeah. No, I love the whole body farm is just this legal thing. I yeah, love they find so it, much. If they find a body, they can just harvest it for corp or uh, for organs, I guess. Yeah, they drop it off and it's just like, yeah, what do you got? Mm-hmm. Uh, this this guy still alive, you know, whatever. Is he famous? You get more if he's famous. He was definitely famous. Mm-hmm. And then fucking uh, Thedora calls later, and the same lady's just like, yeah, we got him. You want him? Y- what are you looking for? Edison Cart? Oh, yeah, that's this guy. Yeah, right here. Still alive. You want us to keep him that way? We were about to chop him up, but uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. And, the, you know, that's that's like the core of cyberpunk is that anti-corporate thing, that mm-hmm. big corporations are dehumanizing people thing. And, like, between corporations telling the media what they're allowed to say and your body doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit that's still pretty relevant. Now. I was going to say, it's a good thing. None of that's around anymore, but that's what I'm saying is like, that's what they were trying to warn us. Yeah. of, And, uh, it's, it's now more true than ever. Yeah. They were right. I don't think there's anything in the world more cyberpunk than the idea of a TV celebrity being president. Now, uh, I guess that's true. Uh-huh. I mean, but it, it could at least be max headroom. Oh God. If only <laughs> better hair for one thing. Well, no hair. So yeah, <laughs> Or like digital hair, I guess. I don't know. What that weird that. slick back yellow thing he has going on. Yeah, but because it's supposed to look fake, it does look fake. Yeah, looks like plastic. That's true. He looks really good. He does, and again, like there's just... no, there's almost. I don't think there's any computers involved, or if there were, there were almost none. Like I think the background, mm. the the lines behind him may have been made by a computer, but 
that's all him live doing that. And then they like, you know, change his voice a little and make it stutter. But like, it's all done manually. Yeah. Which is insane, which is how they could do the talk show because he could he could still be Max Headroom and interact with people. They didn't have to actually like make him. Yeah. But I mean, like they really sort of captured that 80s super early money for nothing CGI. Yep. Where everything's like weird and blocky. I really liked it. it. Yeah, it's a great aesthetic. And there was a time where it looked a little too dated, but I think it's come back around now as like being like cool and retro again. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but we have bad things, of course. Of course we do. What, what, what was yours? Um, so Edison kind of comes off as a gross sex creep in that way that like leading men who were written by men and thought it was charming could get away with back then and also uh, now. Yeah, still do sometimes. I didn't interpret, like, we had a brief discussion before we started uh, about one particular moment that I didn't take the way you did, mm-hmm. and oh, in my notes, you can see, I was surprised how little of a sex creep he was. There were one or two things, but for the most part, I thought he would see this, and she's gorgeous, by the way, sure. Theodora, and, and, you know, and smart, and British, she's like, she's got a lot going for her. Mm-hmm. And like I thought, oh boy, here we go. I'm not gonna work with a lady, or uh, you you just do what I say, toots, or like mm. smack on the ass. And there wasn't any of that. I'm like, oh well, good. And there there were one or two things, but uh, there were also some things that were up for interpretation. I think. Well, it's it just it seemed like every time he was talking to her, he he was hitting on her. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I got it. Again, there were there were very clear like a couple of times, like in the hour, there were maybe two times where it was like, okay, there she, there he is doing. Yeah. Like when they're actually, there's none of it when they're actually running around. Like when he's mm-hmm. in the when he's in the the uh, the company, like right. doing the raid on it. But otherwise, if just like every time they were talking, he was hitting on her. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. So I don't know. That could just be an interpretation thing. I mean, I, again, there were a couple of overt ones, but maybe I'm just grading on a curve, especially after like the greatest American hero. Like it was like I mean, oh, thank look, goodness. That guy was definitely worse than uh, than uh, Edison. I mean, that guy is worse than most characters we've we've uh, handled on this show. Yeah, so. pretty much any protagonist I think we've dealt with, uh, mm, not including Jonathan, Jonathan Archer. Archer. Yeah. Apart from that, absolutely. Ah. Uh, but I don't know. I I didn't find him like so bad. I just because I thought it could get so much worse. Mm-hmm. Like I thought oh, of course, they're going to fall in love or whatever. And mostly he treated her like at first he was skeptical because, oh, good, another corporate handler. Yeah. I I can't trust her is how I read a lot of his reactions. Well, it's until then, until she can break into the, the bathroom at Network 23. And then he's like, oh, OK. Yeah, it's partially that she can do it, but partially that she's willing to mm-hmm. do it. Like, no, I don't work for these guys. I work for, you know, I'm a journalist. I work for the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's bring these guys down and like, OK, good. We're on the same team. And. That's a big thing that jumped out at me is I had some notes about like, oh, well, he's good at his job to some extent, but she also is good at her. Wait, they're they are a team. Yes. What I'm describing here is teamwork. They team who works well together. And it's it surprised me because so few shows show that so effectively, mm-hmm. like two people, especially the first time they work together. Like, OK, she's handling like she's the Oracle. She's. She's watching all the security cams and all the computer scans, and he's actually physically there. Yeah. So, like, she's the voice in his headset saying, like, go left. Or, yeah, guy uh, in the chair. Punch in this code or whatever. Like, and that's great. Mm. And they complement each other well. And yeah. I, like I said, it's, it made me realize how little we see good teamwork in anything because that shouldn't be something that's remarkable. No. 
Well, there's like, always oh, two there's characters always who the, work together work temp- together. Yeah, there's always the temptation is well, he's the main guy, make him do the best stuff. Yeah, no, there were a couple of times where she fell short, and there were a couple of times where he fell short, mm-hmm. and they they helped each other out. Like yeah. it was nice. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. Uh, my bad thing does also relate to sex creeps, though. Oh, good. Uh, in that Jeffrey Tambor was in this, as you pointed out. Yeah, he sure is. And I used to love that guy, not just from Arrested Development, from Larry Sanders, mm-hmm. from uh, the first season of Transparent. Like, I, I dug that guy. But seeing him now just reminds me of how very much I do not love him anymore. Yep. Thankfully, he was only in it briefly. Like, he was maybe five minutes of screen time total. Yeah, with his giant Super Mario Brothers mustache. I mean, he had that for most most of his career. Mm, well... When he was Hank Kingsley on uh, Larry Sanders, he had that. And that was 90s in the 2000s. Like, it was not stylish when he had it. No, it's clearly not. But that's, you know, that's just the, that's the tambour just, look. Yep. Jeffrey Tambor is Super Mario. Now that we know what he's all about, it's like, uh-huh. oh, oh, man. Yeah. That's that's unfortunate. Cool. Otherwise, thanks. It'd be thanks like, for oh, bringing it, me down, dude. Otherwise, it would be like, oh, that guy. Uh-huh. But there are later in the series some, oh, that guy, guys. No, I mean, um, you're going to get in a good that. Way. <laughs> oh, that, okay. Um, in a good way. Um, the, uh, uh, what's his name? W. Morgan Shepard, I believe is his name. He's a character actor who's been in tons of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the uh, reboot movie where he was uh, on the Vulcan Council and he's like, uh, did you just apply here to, to tell us off because of your, your handicap, your oh, human yeah. mother? I've seen this guy a million the, things. Yeah, the Klingon guard. Uh, this is the Gulag Rorapen thing. Uh-huh. He's been in tons and tons of Star Trek. He was uh, one of the main recurring guys later in the series. Okay. So that'd be cool to see. And I know there were some others as well. But, uh, you was know, he the non-evil this... corporate guy? No. No, he wasn't in this episode. Okay. He's in, he's in future episodes. Uh, one of the corporate guys, and I thought at first I was thinking this because Jeffrey Tambor, but no, uh, reminded me entirely of Tobias Funke. That was so, like, I saw that guy, and the first thing I thought of was, oh, that's the guy whose head explodes in scanners. <laughs> Could be. He's got that same look. He, he does. But he looks like David Cross as Tobias, mm-hmm. and he sounds like David Cross as Tobias. Yep. And I thought, well, I'm just thinking of Arrested Development because I just saw Jeffrey Tambor, mm-hmm. but no, no, the whole time. It was like, he's usually sitting at a conference room table and you can't see his lower half and I'm certain he was wearing cutoffs. Yep. No, and I was I was thinking along the same lines. Well, you ju- you're just thinking of Scanners because that guy just exploded. Yeah. Maybe this came before Scanners too, though? I... I would not be at all surprised. Like I said, it had a real RoboCop vibe and it predates RoboCop. Uh, no, Scanners was 1981. I thought it was later than that. Oh, well. I have also never seen Scanners. I'm only familiar with it in, as a GIF. Yeah, it's it's that movie where that guy's head explodes. Yeah, I don't know literally anything else about it. I should watch Scanners. It's a David Cronenberg flick. It seems like something you'd like. Yeah. It's got a guy's head exploding. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, what else indeed? Let's see here. Checking out the notes. I had a lot of notes later on about uh, shouldn't he be getting to a hospital, so I guess I agreed with you on the... The big slice in his head. It's a big slice like that it's a big yeah. head wound. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I want to take a sec to talk about her weird bedroom. Okay. Oh, 
You mean that she drives her car into? Yeah. Okay. So like she's got this like giant apartment with a bed that's like clearly six beds pushed together. And there's just a pink car shoved through the wall. And all of it's so bizarre and also just like I like I completely accept it as like, yeah, this is the future. Stuff's weird now. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, it doesn't make any logical sense, but it all looks like it belongs together somehow. Yeah, like, well, obviously, she's, you know, she's got a good job. She's got a good apartment. She could just drive right up to the bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's much better than parking in a parking lot. Yeah. Also, the car is like a 50s. It's like a, you know, a finny looking, like, 57 Chevy or something. Like that's just such a, a weird choice just here. Add to the dissonance of the whole thing. Just, like. It, it really, it just looked like a music video. It looked like an 80s music yes, video because there was also a bit of smoke yep. happening. And it did not look everything like a place was where sort of the same color. Yeah. It didn't look like some place where someone would live, mm-hmm. but it looked like some place where someone would sing their uh, their soulful ballad. Yeah, exactly. Sure. But it also totally worked. <laughs> like everything about this show just seemed very deliberate and, and good. Yeah, like I, it, I, it's that stuff that they don't explain, but you're just like, yeah, that makes sense for this. But I, the thing is, I've criticized this on a lot of other shows and will continue to do so. Mm. Like, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's it's different when it's a, a clearly an aesthetic choice versus, I don't know, this is what we found in the prop closet. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, flaming trash cans. That obviously means, like, you know, disenfranchised rebels. Yeah. Like, put a minute of thought into it, man. No, this uh, this had no flaming trash cans when we get shots of their uh, th- their sad rebels. No, and if anything, some TVs it would have belonged. Fire, but uh... it would have belonged here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the I, I assume they're homeless people of the future. Yeah, but they're out in just like this field <laughs> with just TVs stacked on each other. Yep. It was weird. Mm-hmm. It's like if you've seen uh, Frank Miller's Will Eisner's The Spirit, and if you have, I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, I am I am among you, and if there is a support group for us, I would join that. Still dodging that bullet. But you probably saw at least in the in the trailers, there's a there's a big giant field out by like a swamp or something where they're fighting in toilets. Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't doesn't that movie end with like a giant uh, fight in a field of toilets? I don't think it ends there. Is the thing I think that happens pretty early on, as I remember. <sighs> Fucking Frank Miller. Oh. But in in any case, my point is, it reminded me of that mm-hmm. this this weird sort of empty open area with a bunch of like things that belong in a house just strewn about. Mm-hmm. Very strange. Uh, what else? Uh, I want to talk. I I really like um, the little kid as the scientist. Yes, he seriously reads it as about thirteen. And I I really liked him as the bad guy until he like you know stopped being the bad. Like I I love the idea of just like hey, he's a super intelligent sociopathic kid. Yep, it's a and great these, villain. These evil corporate people want his work, so they will just give him unlimited money to do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And what he wants is to digitize a parrot. <laughs> that was no one. Okay, Bob, if you're listening, you'll get this. Probably no one else will remember this. <laughs> Way back in the like the early computing days, like late '80s, early '90s, um, the the sound card Sound Blaster. Oh sure, came, yeah. Came with a voice synthesizer program that was a parrot. That was a digital parrot. Oh God, that's weird. Okay. And he'd you'd say things to it, and basically he would say, "What are you saying? Don't talk nonsense." Like that was it. He would just say like three things over uh-huh. and over again. 
And it just reminded me of that and delighted me. And Bob and I used to quote that all the time because it was the stupidest thing. What if it's a reference? It would have been around then. Uh, no, it wouldn't have been. Okay. I don't think. I, th- I I remember us seeing this in high school, which would have been early 90s. Okay. And I don't think the Sound Blaster was out then. Maybe the ad lib was. Sound- Nobody knows. No, what I because right. I had a Sound Blaster. Well, no, that that brand stuck around. Oh, okay, all right. Like I just remember that, of like, it that t- when I used to install video games, and they're like, "What kind of sound card do you have?" I have I, mm-hmm. I have a Sound Blaster. No, I think the the. Sound Blaster 8 and then the 16. Oh, all the memories are flooding back and nobody cares. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. Move on. I'm just going to start rattling off things I remember from my 8th grade computer. It's not important at all. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, what else? Edison has very baggy pants. Yeah. Well, it's the future. Mm-hmm. I guess. Oh. I don't know. When he right at the beginning, right at the beginning, when he gets uh, when he gets attacked by the by the corporate po- police, when he's investigating, mm-hmm. well, I I know one of the one of the cops punches him right in the dick. <laughs> just, just it's like oh yep. that guy is making a specific effort to punch this guy right in the dick. Maybe that's what they train them to do. Mm-hmm. Could be. Uh, at another point, when he's when he's in the actual uh, corporate building. And some guards are coming for him. One of them appears to be armed with a witch's hat. <laughs> I didn't notice it's like that. A fl- it's like a flat disc with like a raised cone attached to it. It, it was very clearly like a, a repurposed something else that they turned into a weapon. And you never saw him use it, so I didn't know what it was for. I, I, I love the idea of in all this like fucking sci-fi cyberpunk stuff, there's one guy who's like, I'll put a curse on you, Edison. He doesn't. He doesn't wear it. Imagine holding the brim of a witch's hat like it's a like it's a throwing star uh-huh. or something. No, that's that's great. Brandishing this this like circle with a cone on top. I've brewed a potion for you. Yeah, dearie. What but, the fuck is but again, happening? You, you never see him use it, so I'm not sure what it was uh-huh. or what it was for. It's an uh. Odd choice, but fine. I mean, the whole thing was an odd choice, but all very good odd choice. Yeah, it really all just sort of hangs together really well. Yeah, like I say, I got a bit of a Brazil vibe. There's a mm-hmm. lot of like you could definitely see sort of the Terry Gilliam influence. Oh yeah. Like there's there's a you know, like picking and choosing from sort of your best available dystopias of the time. You when know? did Brazil come out? Uh nineteen eighty four, I wanna say. Yeah. Eighty five, somewhere in there. Eighty five, yeah. Yeah. Brazil. So they definitely they definitely probably got some. Yeah. I mean, for all I know, the original British thing, like just got to use some of the props from it, mm. you know, like maybe those computers came from that in the first place. So Yeah, that would make sense. Yep. Uh but that's about all I have. Yeah, I think that's it. Things. Yeah. But very good. Really enjoyed it. Worth checking out. Yeah. I'm glad. That means that means uh even though you're not still on a streak, I am. Mm. All of my choices apart from the Incredible Hulk, which I knew would be bad. <laughs> I planned solid. it that way, Matt. No, I just, I looked at the 70s, I'm like, there's no way. I mean, you did select an episode called Alice in Disco Land. You knew exactly what you were getting. Yeah, exactly. I thought, okay, if I can't find something that is quality, I will at least find something that is stupid enough to make fun of. And we did. Yeah. The 70s are rough, man. Oh, God, we were trying to find, st- we're trying to fill in the next the next round, and it's like, none of the guests are picking the 70s, and we don't know what to pick. Fucking The 70s are trash. Yeah, right now. Okay, so we're on the 80s now. You've got one for the 90s next week, then the O's and the 10s, and then we're starting with the guests. Mm. And yeah, we we uh, we now know that no new Star Trek is coming out in all of 2019, so we got a lot of time to fill. Like, 
they said the Picard show, which is the next one, is dropping in 2020. So we know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were like, okay, schedule's open. So we gave them two full rounds and nobody wants the 70s. Oh, boy. In fact, I was talking to Tidro and, and her choice aired until 1971, but it started well into the 60s. Mm-hmm. And she's like, can, can this count as the 70s? I'm like, well, because we have to fill that spot. Yes, yes, that will count as the 70s. Fine, good. It launched in like 1963, but fine. <laughs> was still on TV in the 70s. That that works. Uh, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you have for next week, though? For oh, fuck. Um, well, let's do my quote first, because we forgot. Oh, of course. Yes, what do you got? Uh, this is just... Max at the end of the episode. I just wanted a good chunk of Max Headroom talking to you. Hi. Hi. No, this is not a blip blip blipvert. This is Max Headroom on Network 23. And I and I and I know that right now you're looking at me and you're thinking, "Wow. Wow. He could become a star." So, so before you get the wrong idea about me, let me just say very humbly, you're right. I could. <laughs> I don't want to be gloomy, gloomy, but what does the future hold? Some say, some say it holds the promise of a young olive branch, which, which, which means I might have to turn over a new leaf in the future. How can you tell when our network president is lying? His lips move. Well, he's delightful. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now, what do you got for us? Next week, we are doing one of my favorite shows from the 90s, The X-Files. Never heard of it. Uh-huh. Uh, episode is Bad Blood from season five. It's one of the better uh, one-off episodes direct, uh, written by Vince Gilligan. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, X-Files is on Netflix and, I think, Hulu. Check it out. Okay. I am skeptical because the X-Files is one of those shows like Next Gen mm-hmm. where everyone thinks it was a great show because what they remember are the, like, 50% of good episodes it had. Yes, which is why I picked one of the one-off Monster of the Week episodes and not a conspiracy episode, which are long and tedious. But did you pick one that you liked when you were 12? Like, do you know it to be good now? As well? I, w- I did a rewatch of, like, the first seven seasons of The X-Files maybe uh, seven years ago. Okay, and I liked so grown-up Matt so. can verify yeah. that it was good. Okay, that's I was at question. least in my 20s. If you want to trust 20s, Matt, which you did, so... Well, yeah, but I don't know that I would now. It's fair. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't okay, trust twenties. I wouldn't trust twenty or thirties me. Either, uh-huh. So I mean, I don't know that I trust last year me. Mm-hmm. They're all out the to thing get about, you. The thing about trying to constantly improve is that the old versions of you suck. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the uh, glass half empty uh, look at uh, trying to improve. Is mm-hmm. that means most of your life you're terrible. Yep. Uh, so yeah next week we'll be doing the x-files so look forward to that yep uh we are also when we cycle through the last time because uh, after that we'll do the the 2000s and then the 10s yep then we're gonna do a supplemental yes um because otherwise we won't do one for the rest of the year mm-hmm. so if you want to write to us if you want to talk to us about uh any of the star trek stuff that they announced at uh, comic-con last week mm-hmm. uh, we definitely have some opinions on that we'll save them for the supplemental sure uh or if you want to write in about anything we've ever covered, including any of these shows, uh, I would say keep the questions broad because I tend to forget things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if like don't mention some specific thing we did eight weeks ago. But broadly speaking, yeah, you can reference a thing and or remind us maybe. But uh, we will certainly discuss any of the things we've been talking about or what, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. We will we will be here to answer your mail and you can reach us at postatomichorror at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. 
Uh, our website, postatomicquarter.com. Tumblr, postatomicquarter.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter, at Algar, at RobotMatt. Please check out Endeavor, ussendeavor.com. Episode 6 will be dropping on August 1st, which is Thursday of this coming week. Yep. Uh, we're, we're very excited. Came together very well. Uh, our our composer, which feels amazing to say, yeah, God. Rich DeThorne, so good. three Count them three original new themes. Uh huh. One for each of our principal characters. They all now have like score motifs. So like the uh, the way I, I I wrote this one and the way I structured it was uh, each of them is like writing a letter home. And so like during their voiceovers, like Kutch has a theme, Naomi has a theme, Dal has a theme. Mm. It's, it's uh it sounds so good. So awesome. uh, check that out. We'd we'd love to uh, to hear from you about that as well. If if you're in, enjoying that, let us know. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Yeah. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Max Headroom Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this until Star Trek comes back. <laughs>